Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Beyond the Big Screen Podcast with your host, Steve Guerra. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Big Screen Podcast. Of course, a big thanks goes out to Eric Fogg of the Reconsider Podcast. Links to learn more about Eric and Reconsider can be found at reconsidermedia.org or in the show notes. This episode is a part of a two-part series on the 2012 movie Prometheus from Ridley Scott. In the previous episode, Chris made his case for how this was a great movie. He laid out why he thinks this movie is a classic of the genre and makes a number of important points. In today's episode, Eric is going to make the opposite argument. You don't have to listen to either episode in any particular order, but I think you should listen to both of them to get very unique and interesting perspectives. Now, a great way to support Beyond the Big Screen is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. These ratings and reviews really help me know what you think about the show and help other people learn more about Beyond the Big Screen. You can learn more about Beyond the Big Screen, great movies and stories so great they should be movies on Facebook and Twitter by searching for A2Z History. You can contact me there or just send me an email to my email address, Steve at a2zhistorypage.com. Links to all of this and more can be found at beyondthebigscreen.com. I thank you for joining me again, Beyond the Big Screen. Welcome back to Beyond the Big Screen. We are joined again by our let's just say a co-host Eric Fogg of the reconsider podcast. And today's a special episode in that it's partnered with another episode. Now the topic of today is the 2012 Ridley Scott film Prometheus and a friend of mine, we had gotten to talking and he absolutely loved this movie, but I remember talking to Eric and he said he hated this movie. So I thought that this would be a perfect time to have not a debate because it's a movie. It's an hour and a half or two hours of your time, but to get two very different perspectives on the same movie, to borrow a phrase of Eric's of that we're not going to do the thinking for you. And as always, we're going to have plenty of spoilers in this. So I suggest you listen to these two episodes. You watch the movie, listen again, and you'll really get a lot to think about this movie. But before we get started, Eric, how are you doing today? I'm in a bad mood, Steve. And it's because <laughs> I have to talk about... No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, normally, I mean, I'm feeling great. Um, I normally, you know, it's, I think we're going to have a very interesting experience here. Because normally, every time I've come on the show... It has been to like to share my passion for certain you know for certain pieces of cinema with with the audience um you know and, and i think i've come exclusively for sci-fi so far which i think was with is accidental but i think it's a trend that we can run with anyway point being normally i i show up in order to talk about how much i love a film and like why it's worth watching and and how you should think about it and and what it can teach you and all this stuff right and uh i'm doing the opposite today i'm i'm here to i'm i'm just like here to tell you why why even if you like this movie you're wrong um and and why like ridley scott let us all down and all this stuff and so i'm gonna be like i don't know it's gonna be you're gonna see a different side of me 
Um, I, I had to rewatch this movie for the show. That's the moment I was cranky. Anyway. So as we dig into this movie, I think it'll be interesting for the audience because I had rather strong opinions of the movie. I'm going to try to play it straight, but I think people are going to find out pretty quickly with between these two, mo these two episodes, what I actually thought about the movie, <laughs> but um, just to keep just to, uh, as a brief synopsis, basically Prometheus is a prequel to the alien and the aliens movie uh, series of movies. So in 2089, scientists kind of discover a la ancient alien style, uh, these ancient civilizations all over the world have kind of an op overlapping iconography that with fancy computers turn out to chart a faraway planet, leading scientists and like a mega giga corporation, the Wayland Corporation, to pay for an exploration or an expedition to this planet to find out what's going on there. So like I said in the um, prelude to the episode, the, this episode with Eric and then the episode with Chris, it's meant to get you to think about two different perspectives on this movie. And um, and I guess just to put my cards on the table, I thought the movie was interesting, but I, I definitely see how it has several failures and flaws. But so the, getting into that, Eric, maybe how do you want to start this out? Dig right into it. Take, get your claws out. I'll get my. I'll get my claws out. I'm. I'm gonna start with. I'm gonna start with like. What's my emotional disposition to this movie? Because I think um, it'll give it'll give an audience a little bit of a sense of who I am. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like. Look, if 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 you chain me down, kind of clockwork orange style, and like force me to watch and review something like the the Twilight series. Right, like my only apologism would be for Robert Pattinson, who went on to do some like great films. Um, but I would just be like, ah, I hate it, everything about it. And and that is not the case for Prometheus. I'm a huge Ridley Scott fanboy. That's part of why this hurts so much. Is you know I love like like Alien, Aliens, and he also you know the man also did Blade Runner. You know all three of these movies are in my top ten of all time. The guy is a great director. Um, and so when I went to see, I went to see Prometheus in theaters in 2012, right? Like basically when it came out, because I said, oh man, like it's Ridley Scott. Man can do no wrong, right? And so I, I, you know, everything he touches turns to gold. And so I went to see Prometheus and I just had this, like as it went along, I just had this like increasingly sinking feeling that all the stuff that, didn't make sense, wasn't going to come together in the end. And then it didn't. And that's what broke my heart. And um, so anyway, I, I, I want to say like, I still, I think Ridley Scott bombed it. Um, I still love Ridley Scott. Um, I still think he's, he's, you know, I still think he's one of the great directors of ever. And um, I just think that, that he tried to, I think he tried to get too clever with this movie by half. And in doing so, just missed a lot of stuff that uh, I think is really important. So those are my claws. I think that that's really the, the, the fundamental like flaw or fault line that just runs through this movie. There's like it sets it up to be such a good movie. And then it just kind of goes off the over the cliff at like each point where it could have been in awesome incredible movie and i guess there were some different reasons for that but i guess just like the overall like the meta there was so much so many things that were foreshadowed that never played out there was things that uh you know storylines and plot lines that went and then they just kind of fizzled out and didn't quite yes. go where they not even where I anticipated them to go, because I mean, it's sci-fi. You want them to go where you don't anticipate them to go. They just never went anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I think the the one of my favorite, one of my favorite measures of whether a director has a basic understanding of their own story is whether they are on top of the Chekhov's gun problem. Um, so for those who don't know, Chekhov's gun is a, uh, it's a it's a con it's a it's a it's a it's a construct originally from theater, which is essentially if you put a gun in the first act, right? If there's a gun on the table in the first act of the of the play, by the third act of the play, it needs to be fired, 
or you know the the more complex version of this is or someone needs to have tried to fire it and there needs to be a good reason it didn't go off um so a a chekhov's gun failure of sorts is when you put the gun on the table and then just at the end nothing happened and people are like why why was there a gun um and the and the thing I will not accept as an answer is subverting expectations, um, a la D and D from um, from Game of Thrones. Like just because, like, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's like, oh, well, it wasn't what you expected to happen. It's like cool, cool, cool. But like, just because we didn't expect it doesn't mean it's good. And yeah. I think that's that's going to be one of the rules uh, or one one of the one of the ongoing problems of this movie as we uh, as we continue it. I also I also last point I want to make. Um, for the moment is I also know that this movie did pretty well um, among critics and among audiences, right? So if we look at the tomatometer or tomato meter, I guess it's a tomato meter. It's not a, it's I like not tomatometer. A, tomatometer, <laughs> yeah. The tomato meter, uh, it got a 73%, right? Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 68% audience score. So those are pretty well aligned. Um, and and so there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that disagree. And uh, I'm hoping when um, I'm hoping to ruin this experience, you know, the experience of this movie for you by the time you're done listening to this episode. So if you don't want to walk away just liking this movie, stop listening. I guess I the, really the I think the way to go about this is let's start picking a couple of threads. What do you think the first thread we should start pulling at is? Um, I think the the. Yeah, uh, what I what I brought what I brought to the table was a list of twelve complaints, and maybe we don't start with the twelve complaints. Maybe we we can set this up a little bit for those who haven't seen the film, right? So, long story short, what ends up happening? Like, let's give the synopsis, um, uh, and and you know, fast forward a minute or two if you if you well, you shouldn't listen to this whole thing until if you don't want spoilers anyway. So, never mind. Um, the quick synopsis is, you know, they, they, they're like, oh, wow, alien world. Cool. They, and they must want us to come. Right. Key point here, because they built us a star chart on our own planet. So they left a star chart. Right. And it was like, Hey, humanity come Once you figure this out, like, congratulations, you figured it out. You've got some cool technology. You must have some cool technology. Come visit us. Um, and some cool brains. Right. So come visit us. And, uh, they set out an expedition and they, uh, they land and then they just start, they throw humans out to start like exploring this world that's like, you know, dead. They expected a lot of aliens to be there. It's dead. And they get inside this building. Uh, and, you know, of course, someone gets a face eater. Of course, David, the the cyborg, uh, implants some stuff in some people. Anyway, there's a whole, basically a whole bunch of hijinks that seem somewhat unrelated to the core thing going on. Some people die. Um, and then they run into... They find they run into one of the what are they called engineers? I keep calling them the progenitors, but they they run into one of the engineers um, sleeping. They wake him up. David tries to talk to him in Proto Indo European, uh, and because it turns out Wayland has been on the ship the whole time, um, and he's there looking for immortality. And for some reason, the alien you know the engineer gets really mad and kills David and kills Wayland. Uh, and then it's a like oh no run away kind of situation. Uh, and there's some running away, but it turns out that that the uh, that the alien thing that our main character had birthed, which isn't a xenomorph, um, it's some like tentacle monster. So she gave birth to a tentacle monster earlier, and the tentacle monster ends up becoming a key thing that kills the engineer when the engineer is trying to kill the humans. Uh, and then she gets away, and everyone else dies. Right? We have one character that gets away, and everyone else dies. And so. The reason for the synopsis is that Scott is trying to parallel some stuff that happened in his alien movies that we really loved, right? So, like, if you remember Alien 1, right, there's a lot of parallels here of, like, you know, we show up on a planet, we pop out, someone gets their face, you know, raped, and uh, and then there's, you know, we have to run away from the alien, and then, and then one human gets away, right? Aliens is pretty similar. So that's the synopsis, and... Uh, I think the place I want to start is is asking you, Stephen. Maybe maybe I'm even just curious what your other buddy said about this movie. You know about about some of these questions. But one of my questions, 
is if the engineers, you know, the moment the engineer wakes up, he is mad as hell. And he's like, how basically like, how dare you wake me up? I'm going to kill all of you. And it also turns out like the humans decide, like the humans figure out for some reason that the engineer was like when everything went to hell on this planet, they're actually building a weapon of mass destruction to destroy humanity. And like, why? Why? Like, why invite the humans to this world if they're going to be mad when, if you're going to be mad when they show up? Why create the, you know, at the beginning, you see that the engineers created Earth, right? Or at least life on Earth. Why create life on Earth if you're just going to destroy it later? What was the point? And, and I, uh, I, I don't know if, if your, your friend had kind of any perspective on it. I, re- I remember him really liking that idea of the Prometheus idea of this, like, the the ubermensch of you know creating humanity and the point that i brought up is so that original scene they never really set us up the first scene is one of these blue kind of uh, it's hard to describe them kind of they are the in a way the ubermensch like they're physically perfect humanity perfection and he takes this black poison that splits up his dna into the water and now i'm not are we supposed to take that as that he created life on earth period like protozoa and like stuff like billions of years ago or was this somehow the creation of man and so that buried itself into dna so to me like so say he did come here billions of years ago whenever you know life on earth was begun and that's a long stretch of uh time to get from the ubermensch to us or if it was meant to that this directly led to humans so where do like apes and stuff come into the you know like it just seemed incongruous like where where, what were we supposed to take out of that but even denying that so then it, it baked into our dna to go find this planet it just it doesn't make sense when they actually get to the planet and they hate us. Right. Right. Okay, cool. I, I'm so that was that wasn't answered for you either. I mean, one of the now that we're even here, one of the one of the beefs I have a little bit with like I sure like was so so here's here's kind of my I again I want to be clear that like for the first 25% of this movie, I was really excited. We were like, oh wow, like we're gonna meet the makers. Right, like humanity meeting its maker is a big sci-fi theme that I actually really love, um, especially when it does go wrong. Right, like if we look back at Blade Runner, when Roy meets his maker, right, when he gets to the top of the, oh my God, it's not the Wayland Corporation Tower, but he gets to the top of the spire and he meets the guy who made him, and he's like, I, you know, he's like, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm afraid to die. Right, can you do something? And he basically says, like, no, it's fine. Like, I built you to be short-lived, but you're perfect. So, like, just be happy with it. And he's, like, not, Roy's not willing to accept that, so he crushes his maker to death, right? And so Roy is the, the ubermensch, right? Roy is Roy is humanity perfected, and he ends up destroying his maker, um, who he loved, because he felt so betrayed by him. And so, you know, we have this similar thing that could have been awesome, where we have... You know this. We have this Promethean Ubermensch. Um, now it's it, what's interesting, right? And and so like, where does it start to fall short? One of them is that you know if you read Thus Spoke Zarathustra, the Ubermensch has to come after humanity. The Ubermensch is like is humanity's is what humanity evolves into. Um, Nietzsche says man is a rope stretched between animal and the Overman, the Uberman. Right. And so like we are this transition to go reach this thing that is bigger than us. Whereas like there's a little bit of kind of like if if the creators are already perfect, like what's the point of creating the imperfect version of themselves, the kind of crappy version of themselves? Are we supposed to evolve back into them at some point? And if so, what's the point of that? Uh, And so like there are problems with the Ubermensch analogy here because because it's once you start to get into it, like if the Ubermensch analogy or the Ubermensch story is really pivotal here, it actually super bites, right? It's bad. Um, and it's because it ends up going backwards. It ends up, you know, the, the, that like the, the Ubermensch creates the human um, and then wants to, dis- and, it, and again, then wants to destroy the human 
that it created as opposed to the other way around, right? That like, of course, if you create an Ubermensch, of course, if you create an Ubermensch and then the Ubermensch meets you, of course, the Ubermensch may want to destroy you because you're disgusting to the Ubermensch. But why would the, you know, but, but why would you kill your own children? The only thing I can think of is like, maybe humanity turned out bad is the only thing I can think of. But, but I don't think that's ever discussed in the movie. And now, a brief word from our sponsors. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. I'd like to say something about a new product I've tried called Calatrin. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calatrin is for healthy weight loss. I have taken Calatrin myself, and I can honestly confirm that I've lost weight, I sleep better, and I have found relief from a joint injury that I sustained in my arm. Calatrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age, and I am reaching of that age where things decrease. Taking Calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calatrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply, and this week, take advantage of their President Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word BBS to 30605 and I'll send you a link to this special offer. Text the word BBS to 30605. Give Calatrin a try. I think you'll enjoy it and I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, so let's say that's a possibility that humanity turned out bad. How do they know that precisely? Okay, so maybe we can set that one in on the back burner. That's just dramatic license. Or let's say that they see that the, the real problem is David, the cyborg that's perfect, perfection in a way that the, even these um, the the engineers aren't perfection. So maybe he wakes up and the engineers got a real big problem with that. You've got to explain that at some point. You've got to explain what their what their damage is with humanity, even though it's been baked into our DNA to go find them at this research planet that has this black goo that sucks people's faces and kills them. Right. Like there's there's something that they're creating some sort of terrible weapon of mass destruction to presumably kill us because that's presumably we don't know that a hundred percent or do do we know that a hundred percent the humans think so so that so one thing that is explained is the humans who visit there i forget which it's like idris elba or someone i think i've like i think i've like blocked out a lot of this movie but i think someone like idris elba goes like oh crap this is a like they want to kill us and it's especially it's in particular when the engineer is taking off in this ship somehow all the humans know at least by then that the engineer is off to kill us um to kill all of humanity and so it's yes yeah, so it's it's actually it's undetermined in a way that's actually totally fine um because it's a weapons facility it's undetermined what who this weapon was being made for in the first place but it's certainly the case that when that engineer wakes up and kills wayland and david or he doesn't kill david as it turns out uh which is which is actually kind of a cool throwback but um, uh, but when he kills Wayland and, and eviscerates David, 
um, it, the humans all figure out that he's off to nuke, basically bio nuke humanity and, and end it um, and presumably turn it into a big xenomorph planet for some reason. Um, and yeah, we just don't know why. Um, we don't know what it is about humanity that disappointed them so much. And so, and so we're sitting here with this question where, and they're like, all it took was a little bit of like illusion or, or symbolism or someone, you know, or like someone saying something like for, for a movie where there's so much exposition, the one, the one place that could have used some more was why did, you know, what was it to your point? What was it about humanity that was so awful? Because it's entirely possible that the, the engineers did want to meet humans. And to your point, there was something about humans that disappointed them or enraged them, but we have no idea what, and I haven't seen the second movie Covenant. Um, cause I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. No, I can't, but, but, um, I did have a friend who saw it. It's not explained there either is what I'm told. So, uh, so that's just left as a mystery. Why do they want to kill the things they created? Eh, I don't know, but they do. So like now it's an action movie. That's the thing, and it keeps playing back between an action movie and trying to make a bigger point, too. Yeah. What is it? Is it an action movie, or are you trying to make a bigger point? Like, what is it? It, it never seems, because they could have made an awesome Aliens movie, and there was a lot of elements to that, that scene where um, uh, the, the main character, her name's not Ripley, but they basically might as well have just done like one of those computerized things to make uh, Sigourney Weaver look young. And they found yeah. the, a, an actress who looked almost exactly like Sigourney Weaver, but she gets into the machine where she cuts out the xenomorph out of her own body and then uh, kills it. That was cool. It was cool. Yeah. But it just like it, it never carried. There was cool, uh, you know, science fictiony machinery and stuff like that. But it just never it was never enough of that. It was never enough sci fi. Let me think a little deeper. Yeah. And I think that's you make a great point that we can actually look back to like as we gripe about this movie, we can actually look back to like some shining examples of cinema that Scott produced in the past namely Alien and Aliens, where Alien is, like, Alien is a horror film and, like, does one of the one of the great things that Jaws does, which is that the alien ha actually has very little screen time, right? In Jaws, the shark has very little screen time. In Alien, the alien has very little screen time. It actually makes it scarier, uh, you know, and, and there are some lessons about, you know, Scott is big on lessons about hubris, right? Like, moral tales about hubris. Um, and that was a great, that was a great film because it like leaned into like, this is going to be a horror film about like a sci-fi horror film. And then Aliens was an allegory of Vietnam, right? Where like the, the aliens are like the Viet Cong, right? They're kind of everywhere and you can't see them until it's too late, right? And like they just pop it, you know, like they're in the walls, man, right? There's an analogy to like, oh, they're in the trees, man, right? The trees are talking and um you know and these guys are like these you know it's this panicked platoon of people who are like clearly mentally and emotionally unprepared for what they're getting themselves into much like the conscripts in vietnam right and so it's a great film it's an action movie about, that is like that is discussing the horrors of vietnam um through you know through the sci-fi genre and and it just like, and it leans full into this is gonna be a cool action film um, with a lot of shooting and a lot of like running around and blowing stuff up. And and he did a great job of it. And it shows how um, how diverse are his talents. And I think what he tries to do is smash a bunch of stuff together into this movie to make like the Omni film, right? Yeah, it's gonna be everything. It's gonna be horror. It's gonna be an action film. It's also gonna be like this like cool mystery with a lot of um, you know with a lot of like symbolism and illusion and um, and moral tale uh, that we never quite understand, right? Like so much so much screen time of the film is humans walking around with like their lamps, right? Looking at sculpture, right? And you see these sculptures, and you see sculptures of what look like very much like humans, what look like the engineers, what look like xenomorphs or clearly are xenomorphs, right? And, and you're like, okay, well, like what's it all going to come to? Why are you showing us all of this stuff? And he never explained. So. <sighs> also wasted time with the 
character development of kind of an oddball crew of academics and the heart Idris Elba who plays the hard bitten captain and then uh Charlize Theron who plays Wayland's daughter and they spend so I think they maybe they had a massive cast budget and they put oh, in yeah. as many like huge names as they could but like they spend so much time developing a kind of a sexual tension between Idris Elba and Charlize Theron that's completely unnecessary the whole point of their whole tryst was that they leave they're supposed to be playing overwatch to these two people who are stuck inside of the um inside of the engineer's lair and then they get attacked by the proto xenomorphs and it's really they don't the crew doesn't know they're in trouble because idris elba and charlize theron have gone to have their tryst So they wasted so much time developing that tension between the two of them just for the simple plot point that nobody was minding the shop when these two goofballs get attacked. Like that was valuable time they could have used to make a little bit of a point that they, you know, to make us understand the movie more. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But it didn't give, and at all. So maybe the point was just to give Charlize Theron and Idris Elba a little more FaceTime. I, I mean, I don't know, but it's it seemed like a gigantic waste of time to me. That scene in particular really irked me because they could have played it and really leaned into the fact that maybe you know we get to learn a little bit more about um, Yannick Idris Elba because he does play a big role in the end, but we never learn about him as a person to get him to that point we all have everything about this movie was you have to make an inference about something that you have very little evidence to infer based on which i normally don't mind right or 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 i normally don't actually normally prefer if a movie doesn't explain something fully it's one of the reasons 2001 a space odyssey is one of my favorite films you walk out of it very confused um but there's like but what 2001 does that this film does not is at the end it says something really decisive just happened right like at the end of the stargate you know he goes through like the whole thing in the room and and then and then like you see this mega fetus at earth you're like okay something just happened here and one of the things that makes you know and and it takes some time and you can like do some reading and talk about it and think about it and and you may even need to and and sometimes i think this is a sin and sometimes i don't but you may even need to go to the artist Right in that case, Stanley Kubrick, and say, "What did you intend with this?" And once you hear that, you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, all right." You know, I wouldn't have been able to get that from the movie, but I appreciate it. Um, and the reason we don't get that here is a fewfold. One of them is that nothing of consequence happens in this movie. Right? Nothing changes. Um, you know, and so and so there's no mystery to un- unravel other than wait, why did the why I think the only interesting mystery is why did the engineer want to destroy Earth? And there's and the and literally the engineer has 12 seconds between waking up and deciding to destroy Earth. So all of the evidence that you need is right there. But there's but nothing happens. All that happens is David speaks to him in Indo-Proto-European or Proto-Indo-European. Um, but there's no other mystery because what happens at the end is like, oh well, like. Most people, everyone dies except Shaw, and she gets away, and she wants to find the homeworld, which doesn't even happen in the next film anyway. Um, and so there is no like, there is no like great momentous change. Where you're like, man, how did that come about? I need to see this again. It's just like, oh, they showed up, everyone died, and she left. And like the the only thing that seems to be at all momentous was like a xenomorph came about um, uh, through this like bizarre sequence of yeah what's his face what's his face gets infected then has sex with shaw and shaw gives birth to a proto-xenomorph and then the 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 xenomorph as we know it pops out and you're like oh that was weird but i guess it's the origin of the xenomorph wait a minute no it's not because they already had xenomorph sculptures in this weapons facility so they had already made xenomorphs before so this like whole kind of three card monty game with like this dna packet is pointless 
because you could just you already know that these guys can produce xenomorphs at a mass scale. So like nothing even significant happened with that xenomorph being created. And and had Ridley Scott just not put the stupid xenomorph sculptures in the facility, we could have walked away saying, holy smokes, through this, sure, it was weird, arbitrary, you know, but like through this accident of humans and, you know, humans and engineers meeting and everyone being really dumb, xenomorphs were created. Now they're a plague on the galaxy. Like we accidentally created a plague on the galaxy and like, you know, and that's kind of, you know, and, and the movie's called Prometheus, right? So so that's the fire, right? It's like, that's the fire that was created from this. Um, now, humans never stole the fire. Like, I, I feel like even the whole Prometheus idea falls short because in the myth, Prometheus gives humans fire and then is punished for it. Does any of that happen in the movie? No. Anyway, um, so there is no momentous change that happens is, is for us to ponder at the end. So that's why I think it is a sin to not explain what's going on because these things happen and they seem meaningless as opposed to they seem significant but mysterious. And I think that's a key difference between this and something like 2001. It really is the point, too, that they could have very easily when David, he jumps into the engineer's computer station and starts tapping away to the, a one liner. Boom. This is, oh, I've, I found in the, the database why they hate us. And I, it would have been it, it wouldn't have been as satisfying as, you know, maybe some other films that had set something up like that successfully. But man, would that have tied it up into a nice, neat bow in the, you know, in the final stretch of the movie, the, you know, getting into the denouement of the movie. And then we move on and we're, you know, the the spaceship crashes humanity saved at the end but they they and i think that that honestly could have saved the movie for me if we had just left it and it was over and we knew why they hated us and why they wanted to destroy humanity so badly totally and just to indulge this a little more for a second before we move on this had so much potential because one of the most traumatic things that a child can experience is to be reviled yes. by one's parents, right? And so like this moment of like, can you imagine, can you imagine humanity meeting its maker and its maker saying, you disappointed me, right? We did all this to create you, like you had all this potential and you fell short. And there have been films where that's been explored and it's heartbreaking and and so you know yeah even that one line could have helped but my god like that deserved like the fact that the engineer was was like repelled by humanity um was disgusted by what he saw deserved so much um and to have this moment of reflection where like you know where like oh you know for example you know, maybe it's the contrast between at the beginning, this engineer that's willing to sacrifice his own individual existence to build this world versus Wayland, who is like taking all the resources of this world that was created in order to just make himself live longer. And like, oh, crap, you know, like the engineer realizes basically, like, oh, crap, like through the accidents of evolution, right? We can't control everything, right? We're, the, we're, we're not God. We're not omniscient. We're just creators. We're engineers. And we engineered this thing and like what popped out was this like really selfish, low, disgusting creature. And so like it's a commentary on human nature, right? Oh, there was that's and I think that's why I hate this movie so much is there was so much potential. It's not Twilight, right? It's not just a dumb film. It's a film that had all these blocks that just with a little bit of work could have been put together into something awesome. They set us up so clearly for that with the with the scenes where a, Shaw as a girl is talking with her dad, who is Patrick Wilson, using a British accent. You don't put I mean, just as a, I think as some expectation in a film, you put a big name person like Patrick Wilson using a British accent. That's like saying, please pay attention to me. Right. And then that just kind of faded away like that was another thing. And then the, the father daughter relationship between Wayland and Charlize Theron and then really like the 
father-son relationship between Wayland and David, his his creation, like all of these things could have been tied together just perfectly at that end where the engineer attempts to kill David. Like, and there was just that thread carried through. That was the thread. That was the purpose of the the movie that never was come to fruition. Um, and I've actually, what's interesting is I've actually not read Ridley Scott's commentary on this film. Um, what I, what I've actually been quietly waiting for, it's not going to happen. It's been nine years. Um, but what I've been quietly waiting for was a director's cut, right? Like the original Blade Runner had some like super duper key flaws that made it a meh movie and the director's cut and the final cut are great films. Um, maybe we'll talk about that another time, but um, but yeah, I, I, what's interesting is I, you know, Steve, every time we talk about a movie, I like learn more about it. Um, I learn more about, or, 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 you know, some concepts sink more deeply into my chest. And it does seem that this film was indeed about, um, yeah, was, it was indeed about like the parent child relationship. And there are all sorts of ways to, you know, kind of twist that in interesting ways where you have like. A, an immortal, like, or, uh, you know, like in, in Altered Carbon, they would call him a meth, like a Methuselah, right? Um, uh, basically an immortal Wayland and his his bio, or his bio uh, artificial child, um, yeah, Shaw and her dad, um, and then like humanity and, you know, our parents of sorts. Um, and I don't, I don't, what's coming to mind is like Blade Runner 2049, where it takes this old concept of, you know, you know, of, of essentially like, are these androids human enough to be human? And, and which is what the original Blade Runner discussed and like totally twisted on its head over and over and over. Um, and it's part of why I love that film so much. We could have done that here. We didn't. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, only now, as you explained it, did I realize how it does seem that, you know, have again, having not read Scott's, um, commentary on this film it does seem that that's what scott was building for scott was building for this moment of um you know virtue like uh, what is the virtue of the child and is the child worthy of is each child worthy of their creator um and those questions are asked about shaw they're asked about um oh vickers uh who's wayland's biological kid they're asked about david and they're asked about humanity as a whole um you know, and and we have some like very ham-fisted ways of answering that question, where certainly the engineers think no. Although we again, we don't feel any sympathy for the engineer because we don't know why. So we're just like, oh, engineer bad. Yes, kill engineer. Get a, you know, kill engineer. Oh, good, we killed the engineer right by like ramming it. Um, and like get away, yay humanity, right? Or like yay Shaw, right? So like we don't know why the engineer loses it, so we don't feel that emotional pain. Um, and Vickers dies because she's this. So this was the moment I'm actually going to take this moment to transition. This is the moment that I knew the movie sucked. was when the engineer's ship falls. And it's for those who, who haven't seen it, it's donut shape. So the engineer's ship gets rammed by the human ship to stop it from going and destroying all of humanity with this. Um, it falls and it starts rolling. So the first thing that's wrong is that the ship starts rolling like a wheel um, after it fell. And you're like, that's kind of silly. But then the other thing is that the reason Vickers dies isn't because of some like tragic kind of like moral decision she makes or, or her hubris or anything like that. It's because instead of running sideways or orthogonal to the path of this rolling thing like Shaw, she runs directly away from it. So she just runs along the line of this rolling wheel and gets squished rather than just running sideways. And it's so frustrating seeing that. You're like, come on, right? She died because she was like, because she was she, like, she was just momentarily dumb in a way that yeah. didn't matter. And that's the thing too. Like they, they set us up to hate Vickers. They set us up to hate the engineers, they set us up. Okay, it's easy enough to see why you could hate Waylon because he's 
you know, evil. Like he sets this whole thing up to basically screw over everybody. He puts a drop of the goo into uh, uh, Shaw's boyfriend's eyes, knowing that they're going to have relations and then make this like he's pulling. He thinks he's pulling all the strings here. And we know he has some sort of motivation to come to this planet because he thinks that it's going like uh, for his immortality. And well, in the fact that he's terrified of his mortality, that he's super old and he's being kept alive because of machines. And I think they had I had read someplace that there was a comic that kind of filled in some of the gaps with his background and i i don't like bring discussing that so much because i don't think a comic should be necessary to understand the movie like the the blade runner comics made the movie more interesting like they filled in some gaps but you did not need to know those comics to make any sense of the movie they just it was like a layers of icing on top this no it makes uh Wayland's character more understandable that he was essentially dead. He was cryogenically frozen like long before the spaceship had ever gone off. He has basically died before that mission. But the, just di- disregarding them, they've never, they, that's another. I think fatal flaw in the movie is they never were just assumed to despise certain characters for no particular purpose. And now, a brief word from our sponsors. The history of the Popes of Rome and Christianity reaches into nearly every aspect of history. In the History of the Papacy podcast, we step over the rope. We dive in to discover more about the people, events, and background that define the influence of the Popes of Rome and Church, not only on the West, but the world. To start listening now, go to ParthenonPodcast.com or search for History of the Papacy on your favorite podcast platform. After Teddy Roosevelt's failed third-party presidential run, he thought that he would reassemble the Rough Riders for a final charge against the Germans in World War I by launching a cavalry attack against 50-caliber machine guns. Here's an interview with Bill Hazelgrove to look at this incredible story. Teddy Roosevelt was one of these people who seemed indestructible. And that's why I think a lot of Americans wanted him to go, because in a way, he was their Superman. To listen to this full interview, check out the History Unplugged podcast on the podcast player of your choice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's why don't you like Vickers? Well, she's kind of mean. Yeah. Well, that's it? David's yeah, and- a little aloof, and he seems a little sinister. Well, and, and there's a, I mean, getting back to getting back to David, like he is a little sinister. And, and, and for example, we don't know why, like, why, like why when David knows that Wayland is on board and Wayland is trying to, you know, communicate with the engineers to achieve immortality or at least extend his life. Why for around with the goo, right? Why would you do that? Why would you risk the entire mission, right? And this is, he's trying to, oh, it's so frustrating because Scott's trying to throw back to Alien where, you know, where David, like where, 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 uh, where the, you know, the Android has a, like, has a prerogative from Wayland Corporation, which you can understand, which is like, look, this is just a mining vessel, right? It's it's basically cheap potatoes for the Wayland Corporation, and like we know, Wayland is a evil big mega corporation. They don't care about if people live or die. Great, fine, cool, I'm on board, right? And so it's like we run into you know, and like okay, the android is pre-programmed with a prerogative that is important to understand alien life if we make contact with it, even at the risk of you know the lives of the of the crew. Okay, sure, I I get that. But not when you have Wayland himself on board. Yeah. Right? Why would you infect the crew with the super weapon when the crew is secret, when the crew's actual mission is to get your boss to the engineer? And and so, like, half the movie is unnecessary because David does this inexplicable thing. Um, And the only possible explanation that I can imagine is, like, Oh, well, someone forgot to turn off his, you know, his like deadly curiosity, yeah. you know, uh, uh, prerogative. And it's just like, and, and if that's the case, it just follows this like 
it follows this theme that frustrated me, which is that the crew is dumb. They're really dumb. And they just keep making dumb decisions over and over again that are very avoidable, including even, oh, look at this building. It looks creepy. Let's just go in. Yeah. It'll be fine. Like, unlike, and and so people go like, well, people did that in, you know, in Alien and Aliens. It's like, yes, in Alien and Aliens, these were situations that were thrust upon the crew. Whereas in this, they, they built a ship, an exploration ship to go explore another planet. Right. So someone before building the ship was like, okay, what should we have on this ship? What should our first contact protocol be? What should happen if we run into, you know, a building? Right. And the answer has to include send a drone first. Yeah. Right. It's unforgivably stupid to send humans into this thing that you have not previously scanned with machines. It's unforgivable um, in a way that it is not unforgivable in Alien and Aliens. And because again, they that was not the purpose of either of those missions was to make contact with an alien race. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's just like the the bulk of airtime of this movie is a series of is like one kind of staring at sculptures that that never come to anything that are supposed to be symbols of something, and two a series of unfortunate events driven by bad decisions by people who should know better. Um, and so it, it makes all the action unsatisfying because you're like, well, this was avoidable. Yeah, that it really, and it gets to that. I think that scene, that final scene that really irks me is when the engineer is fighting with the octopus thing because then we don't, who do we want to win? Yeah. It's just something, you shouldn't put something in a movie that it's something that happens. Like you have two things fighting each other that's conflict are they do we want the engineer to triumph do we want the uh proto xenomorph to to win uh you know in the end the proto xenomorph wins and that whole scene is just uh just a vehicle to say this is where xenomorphs in the first one come from what if somebody never had any intention of watching alien after this or had never seen Alien and didn't really care, you know, like it's it, it's not an homage to the super fan and it doesn't do any favors for the person who is just uh, bored one night, uh, Friday night. And let's watch Prometheus. That's a really great point. Yeah, it, it is true that like a prequel, you do have to actually it's Star Wars for all the flaws of the prequels. They did a good job of this, which was. If you'd never seen four, five, and six, and you started with one, two, and three, they still had these moments of significance for their own sake, right? Like the reveal of Darth Vader is like horrifying, yeah, right, for its own sake. And and even if you've never heard of Darth Vader before, somehow, right, you're still like, holy smokes, this guy's been turned into a machine, right? And he's like you know, an instrument of evil now. And it's like, you know what he was this like cute little kid. Ooh, right. Yeah. Like, and, and so you're really sad about it. And then later you're like, Oh God, and he's also like the protagonist dad in the next few films. <laughs> right. There's all these cool things that, that you do, but yeah, to your point, you know, if you've not seen alien, this Xenomorph thing comes out, you're like, well, what's that? Like, yeah. why do I care? Yeah. It's a great point. It's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Cause, cause of course I'm so, I'm so, familiar with the xenomorph that i'm like oh was the whole point of this stupid movie to say like hey a series of unfortunate events like led to the xenomorph but we know that can't be true right that it wasn't like oh man's hubris or something led to the xenomorph no because the xenomorph was sculptured all over this facility so no it wasn't man's hubris right it wasn't like it wasn't some like moral fatal flaw it was, they were already a thing. And so, and, and you could have had this thing where it was like, oh man's hubris and, and moral fatal flaws, right? You have this like fable going on where like we created the, the instrument of our own destruction. Ah, right. But it didn't, it, that didn't happen. It can't have happened. Ugh. Especially the, who the hubris is not our hubris. We're the victims of this or anything, or we're the we're an antecedent of it. If they had set us up that we are such a failure and that's the the original Prometheus, that original guy who sacrifices himself to put his DNA it for us, 
if he if if we are the real problem then tell us why we're the real problem. Right. You know, it could have been as cheap as we destroyed our own planet with, uh, you know, global warming or what, you know, or all of our wars or something like it could have been as cheap as that, like as throwaway as that. And it could have made a movie like these, you know, they watch over the course of, and that's where David could have revealed that when he tapped into their computer, like th- the reason they saw this is that already, like we're killing each other with sticks and stones like the first thing we can do is as soon as we learn how to use um, fire, we're using it to kill each other. Like it could have been as simple as that. And that's why there, or it could have been as simple as that, that, you know, that Prometheus, that original character had just gone rogue. We kind of assume that he went rogue, but there's nothing to say. That is what Prometheus did in the, in the, uh, the myths. Yeah, for sure. But that's only our assumption is that because Prometheus, the the myth went wrong or went rogue, we're assuming that that guy was rogue, but we don't really 100% know that. Right. It's true. And and why? Yeah. And so maybe it was Prometheus. I mean, let's see if we can make this movie recover, right? Maybe it was Prometheus who left the star charts. So it wasn't the engineers, right? It was a rogue engineer. And then when we show up, this engineer's like, holy crap, like you shouldn't be here. Whoa, right? He's not angry. He's like, ah, crap. Yeah. Oh, what is this? Oh, God. Oh, Mike, right? <laughs> That's what Mike did. Oh, I had no idea. You know, we had no idea. Um, that but then Mike- why did Mike set up the star chart then? <laughs> yeah. Like, why did yeah. Mike do that? If like, that's the chicken and the egg. If they yeah. wanted, they knew Mike went rogue <laughs> and he wasn't supposed to. And then, so they set up this planet to kill us off. Why did Mike, because clearly this planet isn't the home planet. If that was the home planet, then that would make right. sense. Right. That Mike is getting us to go back to our our Garden of Eden. Yeah. But no, it's just an outpost that a couple of guys are getting ready to go and clean up Mike's mistake. Yeah, it's true. Right. So why send us there? Maybe it's the only way we can possibly stop it. Yeah. But like, why would you get the timing right? Right. Like, and why did it take, you know, why did it take somewhere between millions and billions of years? Like if they're preparing to clean up Mike's mistake, why did it take the millions to billions of years to do it? it now, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's that you know, maybe it's that it only took them fifty years, but that they killed themselves and were on ice for millions and billions of years. But Mike should have some idea that that is a thing, right? If he knows you send us there, he knows what's going on there, and he knows it's going to take millions to billions of years to get there. And oh god, ah, uh, even the even the even the rogue Prometheus concept makes it du- It's a different form of dumb. Yeah. Like, becomes a different form of dumb um yeah it's got to tie that it's got to tie the star charts to why mike wants us to go to the star chart planet to why they hate us if all of and then why is there xenomorphs like why (laughs) all of those questions need to be asked to make this movie a coherent story yes yes incoherent is the word for it and i it's funny when you were saying when you were saying like oh even a cheap thing like oh humanity you know global warming or wars or something like that what you reminded me of was actually the fifth element um, when Lilu um, when she like plugs into basically the internet and she sees all the history that happened and she like almost decides not to save humanity uh, because you're so awful and and it's Bruce like love that changes her because she realizes that humans have the capacity. Um, and uh you know and that so there you go there's a like humans bad consequence have to do something about it right kind of thing and and this one is humans bad why i don't know what do we do about it basically we get into a fist fight with this one guy right so it's not like it's not like we don't save humanity again like like the whatever moral tale about you why humanity is bad is lost and there's no moral tale about how humanity was saved Right. There's no point to it. It's just like a series of unfortunate, uh, unfortunate events. You know, even the fact that the protoxenomorph is alive rather than dead. Right. It's just dumb. It's just like it's just like bad. It's, it's just because the, the crew is stupid. Yeah. Um, that like you just shot the thing or, or whatever. 
right? I think she tried to flame it at some point or something, but then was like, oh, I'll just leave it in this room. It'll be fine, right? This like alien thing that that I cut out of myself. I'll just leave it here. I've got other things I need to deal with. And and the fact that she did something that terminally unforgivably dumb was why the engineer was defeated. And it's just like you can't you can't have the thing that saves humanity be you were dumb and it accidentally turned out okay. Um, and and that you know so that makes that whole you know to your point that whole conflict between the the proto xenomorph and the engineer like it it adds to the like uselessness of it it's like so if if you know dear listeners if you're watching the movie and you're sitting there like watching them fight and you just like you don't feel anything you're just like oh this is a series of things that's happening like those two points are why right one you don't know who you want to win because neither of those characters seems to have like we don't care about who they are we don't know anything about them right and so like we don't care and two, like they didn't get to that point because of anything between like a prophecy or a series of decision, right? Um, or, 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 yeah, it, it's it's just a sequence of events that occurs that that you go like, okay, I guess we're here now. Absolutely, sure. it's yeah. that. It's Shaw doesn't. She's not the last man standing because of some virtue of hers. She's smarter than everybody else. She's braver than everybody else. She just, I mean, that thing of cutting out, she she has these elements, but really she's the only, she's the last person standing because some, for some reason, right. it, there's really no direct reason that she, why she survives it as opposed to anybody else. And you're making a statement of having her as the last man standing, but it doesn't play out. I think a good way to end this and uh, wrap up for today is maybe we can each share our one way to fix the movie, the kind of the when your uh, window breaks in your car and you just tape the plastic up on there, you know, that's not really going <laughs> to solve the problem. Yeah. But w- what way I'll maybe share mine first and then you can wrap it up is to me the the easiest way to solve this movie is for some way for us, for the crew, probably Shaw to redeem humanity yeah. to the the engineer and the engineer and Shaw fight off the proto xenomorph and maybe the engineer sacrifices himself to save Shaw like that that it doesn't change any of the crappiness throughout the whole movie but that's kind of an ending and something like you can grab onto in the end yeah i i would actually yeah that does make it a lot better um, I really like that. I think if I had to do one thing in the director's cut, um, I wouldn't, I didn't walk in thinking this is the most important thing, but I'm walking out thinking that it's the most important thing, which is like explain, yeah, explain why the engineer is cranky, like in some way, um, and have us reflect on it. Um, because you know, what, what essentially, like what Scott was trying to do is like Prometheus gave us fire and now we're trying to scale Olympus and run into the gods and like, they're mad, right? But we don't know why. And so the whole point of, I think like without that, the whole point of this movie, there is no point to the movie. There's zero point to the movie if we don't understand why the the engineers are cranky with us. Um, and it is it is completely irredeemable without that. So yeah, I agree. The patch has to be, I agree. If there's gonna be, but but yes, if there's gonna be a patch, um, it has to be it has to be that, and we have to have this moment where we go like, oh god, like we've we you know either like the emotional moment of like we've let down our parents or um, or like we're not worthy of having been created or something like that. So that's my thought. Yeah, it's the it's. I think after this, it, that's what we've teamed or teased out of this is that yeah. the theme is parent-child conflict and it doesn't ever resolve that conflict it it sets it up almost perfectly but never solves it for us or not even solves it but it never gives us any resolution to it like anything to to any takeaway yeah exactly exactly and so can this movie be saved i think no but uh i think yes if 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 the challenge is make one change and make it better. Um, 
or make two changes to make it better. Like our changes together would almost make it a workable movie, right? Where like we really have this moment of, you know, again, I think it's much like it becomes something more like the fifth element or certain parts of 2001 The Space Odyssey or certain parts of Blade Runner or other great sci-fi films where we have this moment of like, oh God, humans suck. Uh, right, like we have to face the worst in us, but then we are saved by the best in us, right? It's it's like, you know, it's not the most novel idea anymore, but that's okay, right? Um, and, you know, we can tell the same stories over and over in different ways. That's okay. Um, and and this is where I think, like, Scott was trying to just get too clever. Yeah. And, and, and wanted to tell a brand new story and ended up telling no story at all. I think a good way to leave us off is that um, the way you set it up in the beginning, this is a pretty popular movie if we go by Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So after listening to these two episodes, I think that I know I would love to hear, and I'm sure you would, Eric, the listeners out there, what do you think about this movie? Because I think that this is a great uh, movie to really chew on because it does bring up these basic themes and in a lot of ways does not carry through. Maybe where are Eric and I wrong? I guess I didn't do my objective of playing this straight completely, but I think that we have, I, I think that the conversation lends itself to asking these questions. I agree. I agree. I would love to, I would love to hear from someone who liked this film because, um, I don't personally know anyone who does like this. I, everyone I personally know who has seen this film thinks it's garbage. And, and, and it means that like, I think I must be missing something um, given that, you know, like I, I'm sure the people who like this film are like reasonable, right? They're not all like Al Qaeda, right? They're, they're, like, they're just, they're regular, like people who like this film, like they're regular people like you and me. And so, and, you know, like, and, and, um, and so like, what is it other than like the visuals are pretty cool, like well done. Um, but, uh, but like, but other than that, like what made it interesting, I'd love to hear. And maybe we'll do a response. I don't know. Yeah. That would be fun. A response show. Yeah. So, um, you know, get to, so actually, actually let's do it. Right. So if we get enough, if we get enough, like interesting comments from people, um, We'll do a show where like, we'll read out your comment, you know, we'll get your comment, we'll read it out. Someone, you know, like, you know, Bob's, Bob or, or Sally said such and such, and we get to like reflect on it, you know, we reflect on it and then and then we respond and either say like, yeah, I, you know, I really agree with that or I don't. So, so like, you know, if you're gonna send a response, like be ready for like Eric to bring his claws out, <laughs> right, um, on your response. But hey, news, maybe you'll change my mind. And I, I like to like things, right? There are like, there are people who like to hate stuff, right? Um, who like love just dunking on stuff all the time. And, and that's what makes them happy. I prefer to like things. So I'm ready to, I'm ready. Like my heart is ready. I want to like, I love Ridley Scott so much. I love the aliens. Well, I love the first two alien movies so much. Everything else is kind of crap, but um, I want to like this film. So help me out. 